1: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.TV Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back right here on Pain.TV slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. Folks, you can check us out and join the community of like-minded folks over at Payne.tv slash gold. Plus, you get the ad-free video version of this podcast as well as the Thomas Payne podcast with Mike Moore and with Marie Albanese on Fridays. You can also drop us a donation at DonorBox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. Link is in the description of this podcast below. Wherever the heck you are listening and the least you can do if you want to help us grow is leave us a five-star review and a comment over at Apple Podcast. Now, the other day, we got up to 90, and then Apple reduced it back down to 85. This happens every single time. When we hit 60, we went to 55. When we hit 70, we went to 65. When we hit 80, we went to 75. And so we're now back to 85. So if you guys can do that, we'd really appreciate it. We really need to get to 100, folks. And then from there, we have to get to 1,000. So please do it and share the show with your friends. All right. Let's get back to the International Monetary Fund Central Bank Digital Currencies for Financial Risks and Rewards. And this is from October 14, 2022. And then just quickly, okay, I'm just going to mention the names here for you folks that are just joining in. You really need to go back and listen to episode 109 if you want the full bios. Uh, I'm sorry, 108. It's uh, segment four, part four, I believe. You can listen to all the bios of the folks involved with this panel. But we have Kristalina Georgieva, and we call her Chris. All right, she is the manager director of the International Monetary Fund. Now, she opened up the conference and introduced the next one, which is Queen Maxima of the Neverla- uh, Netherlands. She's a big pusher of central bank digital currency. She already spoke, so we're beyond that part in this uh, analysis. We have Kathleen Hayes of Bloomberg television and radio. She covers the Federal Reserve, European Central Bank, Bank of Japan, People's Bank of China. We're calling her Kathy. All right, then we have Bo Lee. He is on the panel. He is the Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund in yesterday's episode uh, 110 Bo Lee admitted to the fact that CBDC is programmable and they could limit what you could buy, when you could buy, and from whom. You could buy. Also, on this panel, and this is where we're going to pick up with, is Cecilia Skingsley. We call her Cece. And she is the head of the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub. All right. And they're doing all the cross border testing right now with a product called Embridge, tying different countries together in being able to pass CBDC across uh, various borders and things of that nature. Then we have Vera Songwe, we just call her Vera, she is from the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, she was also with the World Bank, she is instrumental in this because they are working hard to bring the the indigenous folks of Africa into this system, as we talked about yesterday, this is a system of coercion, although they call it a system of inclusion, they need everyone included on the slave plantation. And so she plays a key role in this. And finally, on the panel, we have Perry uh, Wargio, and we call him Perry, and he is the governor of the bank of indonesia the central bank of indonesia and he has been involved with a lot of stuff he was also executive director of the international monetary fund so ladies and gentlemen we're going to pick up with cc i rolled it back about 30 seconds from where we ended in episode 110 now i'm going to work fast because i want to finish this up today and then we're going to get into the world global summit where they're openly talking about central bank digital currency and whether we are ready or not for a new world order some people would say that's a conspiracy theory well tell that to the powerful folks that are having a conference on it because we're going to cover that tomorrow hopefully I will be able to get through that it's a shorter one and then uh, the following day so that would be Wednesday then on Thursday hopefully we'll have Dan Golvach on and we'll be able to talk about all of this stuff and tie up in a neat little bow for you and then we'll be ready for wide awake jim i believe he's going to be coming on next week when he's back from his business trip folks and so we'll combine in the climate hustle and cbdc and everything else folks here we go let's go to cc the head of the bank for international settlements innovation hub
0: as has already been touched upon uh uh Introducing a CBDC into a society is not just a a universal solution. It has to come in a package. Uh, So digital literacy, understanding what it means to have, first of all, have access to a digital ID and understanding what it means to to use such a thing. I think also this digital society is raising a lot of questions about uh, uh, data privacy. Uh, I think we're. Uh, this is not only about money, but in, in so many different ways and.
1: And so, we, yesterday, we ended the show with this, talking about how she just admitted there the digital ID. And so, we know there's a lot of players involved with the digital ID. We know talks came out of uh, COVID Land, the high school theater production, about the digital vaccine passport. All this stuff is tied together. The company consensus, as you know, uh, is run by joseph lubin who was co-founder of ethereum along with vitilac buterin who was funded by peter thiel to launch ethereum consensus is working on blockchain for government cbdc for bank for international settlements actually on the project she's involved with the uh innovation hub. And so you've got all these folks connected. You've got digital IDs connected that will be tied into the CBDCs, that will be tied into the universal basic income, and that will also be tied into a social credit score system because the social credit score system is going to be what runs the algorithms, the artificial intelligence that will program your central bank digital currency in real time, you know, based on your behavior, your habits, your movements uh your contribution to the system ladies and gentlemen your contribution to the system but don't worry it's inclusive we'll all be operating under the same system so she mentions digital ids There, very important let's continue
0: it's up to the politicians to really decide on this it's not a role for me as a central banker but having a possibility to actually choose how much digital footprints you want to leave i think is a, is a good starting point um.
1: Yeah, right. So on your uh, central bank digital currency app, which will be managed by your commercial bank of choice, you know, Chase, Wells Fargo, TD Bank, City, you know, Bank of America, any of these guys, whatever, you're going to be able to choose. You'll be able to choose how much of a digital footprint you actually leave. Yeah, right. So people are going to sit around at home, Uh, Or twiddling their thumbs at the doctor's office, going through their commercial banker app and turning on and off all the little pieces of digital footprint data they want to leave behind for the central bankers, for government, for marketers, for private, so-called private business. Yeah, okay, I'm sure that's definitely going to happen. Give me a break with this, folks. Give me a break with this. And then, even if they have those as features, you have to believe that when you click on those buttons, that that actually means that the central bankers aren't going to track you. Well, you know that's a complete and total lie because once we give up the last tiny bit of sovereignty, of liberty, of freedom, of human autonomy that we have willingly to the central banking system, Right, Because even if we're coerced you know, into doing something by someone, them, the central bank, via threats and or force, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to coerce us into the system, engineer us into the system uh, by force. Because if they give you no other options on how you're going to get your Social Security or your welfare or your EBT or your disability, you have no other options. You're going to be entering this system then they have total control and then you have to believe that they're going to give you back control of your data that's a complete and total lie I don't know how anyone could buy that all right let's continue
0: so um, as I said it's not a universal solution uh, but it can certainly be used and needs to go in package with uh, support awareness and generally when it comes to digital technologies um, and I think here, the private sector and the public sector has to uh, walk hand in hand. There is so much more that kind of uh, unites us in these right. interests, rather than we are, are on separate uh, levels. And I think.
1: Okay, so she says right there, the public and private partners have to come together and form deeper partnerships, and they are more on the same page than they are not. Obviously, they are. They want it to come to fruition, but one of the things you're going to notice... Uh, Across any of the panel discussions we cover, whether they come out of the World Economic Forum, out of the United Nations, out of the Bank for International Settlements, out of the International Monetary Fund, out of the World Bank, out of the Global Summit, they are all speaking from the same script. They have a set of talking points. And so you'll hear unbanked, underbanked. You're going to hear inclusion. You're going to hear privacy or privacy as we would say here you're going to hear them talk about cybersecurity digital footprints public private partners working together it's the same thing they're bumper sticker slogans so what happens is when you take four of these clowns four of these economic terrorists and you put them on the stage you're going to see a lot of repetitive information come out of them because they're all working off the same talking points she's sitting there looking at a piece of paper on her lap okay this lady doesn't seem like the most uh, enthusiastic public speaker i've ever seen so i'm guessing as she's looking at uh, her bulleted list make sure you hit on these points these are the bumper sticker slogans all right let's continue
0: also to get this working certainly in emerging market economies it has to be combined with investments in network infrastructures and broadbands and the likes okay. and i think What what the central banks or the public sector can do is to build open systems, create level playing fields, but make sure that it is the private sector who, who, uh, who are doing the innovation.
1: Okay, again, and we heard that come out of uh, Frank, right, Francois, the uh, governor of the Bank of France, their central bank and also chairman of, what was he, Bank for International Settlements, I believe. We saw that in the World Economic Forum discussion. And so, they agreed on stage at the WEF that the private sector would bring the innovation, they would bring the technology, they would bring the infrastructure, they would upgrade the infrastructure. And the central banks would bring the central bank digital currency and the stability therefore the trust in the system so again she's repeating uh what these other guys talk about because they're all working off a fax an email folks a text message they're all working off a carbon copy of the talking points let's continue
0: and let me just start stop by saying that i think we need to be a little bit bold here right in the sense that uh, we shouldn't get in the way of the private sector but I think sometimes in history you have to push society into new equilibriums, predecessors did that when it came to building electricity, sewage system and the likes, hugely well for enhancing. Now we want to do it again in money uh, and it would be good for banks as well when society takes these steps
1: okay we have to push people into a new equilibrium we have to push people now i'm telling you folks we've covered it here in depth you understand this if you're new to the show i suggest you go back and listen to the episodes on the history of technocracy but howard scott the founder of Technocracy Incorporated, we're talking about going back to 1919, all the way through their writing through 1938, 1940, Howard Scott continued to preach this stuff all the way to 1970, I believe, when he dropped dead. Uh, one of the things they talked about was technocracy being the science of social engineering. And so the way the engineers will engineer you into society is to give you no more options. So what you just said there, they're going to push you into the new equilibrium, just like it's been done throughout history with electricity is they will give you no other choice all right so if they take just say in the united states paper cash and coins out of circulation and they tell you that you're only going to be paid in cbdc what other choice do you have and that's what she's talking about they're going to drag you into it kicking and screaming like i have to do with Willie G all the time We are the babies ladies and gentlemen They are the parents They are the adults And they will drag us Kicking and screaming Into their system Of total control Ladies and gentlemen I will be right back This is Dustin Gold With the Dustin Gold Standard Right here on pain.tv Slash gold you listening to the Dustin Gold Standard On pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold and I am dustin gold couple of things folks real quick real quick let me see if i can find this i, I want to just show you something because i forgot to mention it at the beginning of the show before we uh Get back into the IMF. Well, we're on a break there from CC because I want to let that stuff sink in with you, what she just said. I posted this up uh, yesterday. Uh, some people told me, because I wasn't sure if Mike Moore had mentioned it on the Thomas Paine podcast, and he had, which is great. And I guess Maria Albanese will be talking about it on Friday with Mike because I sent it over to her, so she's going to cover it over there at the Thomas Paine podcast, and we're going to get to it soon as well. Uh, I had asked, is anyone tracking this? A couple months ago, Bill Gates was war gaming the next pandemic, which will roll out in the quote near future end quote, be worse than COVID and disproportionately affect our children. All right, and so this is a uh, center for healthsecurity.org and this is called catastrophic contagion a global challenge exercise all right i've got to bring this up because it's important and let me put this in context for those of you that are just new to this type of content back in october of 2019 a few months before covid rolled out between january and march 2020 bill gates and the john uh johns hopkins Hosted what was called Event 201. And you can go look this up on YouTube. It was out there at the very beginning of COVID. They didn't hide it. Uh, the show that I was uh, producing, the Douglas Dakota show, we actually covered it about a week or two into uh, COVID kicking off. COVID land the high school theater production, and so they basically war gamed COVID land three months before it happened, and then everything we've seen roll out over the last couple of years pretty much follows that to a T. Well, Bill Gates was at it again, old uh, vax pusher Gates. If our vaccines work we can lower the population by 10 to 15 percent that's what he said in 2010 at ted talks Uh, we covered here at the show i'm not going to do the whole quote tonight uh, but he did that ladies and gentlemen i just want to show you this because uh this is rather important and i'm at their their website this is center for health org, and it says the john hopkins center for health security in partnership with who, that's the World Health Organization, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted Catastrophic Contagion, a pandemic tabletop exercise at the Grand Challenge's annual meeting in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd, 2022. All right, less than two months ago. The extraordinary group of participants consisted of 10 current and former health ministers and senior public health officials from Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, Liberia, Singapore, India, Germany, and As well as Bill Gates, co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The exercise simulated a series of WHO, that's a World Health Organization, emergency health advisory board meetings addressing a financial pandemic set in the near future, in the near future. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. Participants were challenged to make urgent policy decisions with limited information in the face of uncertainty. Each problem and choice had serious health, economic, and social ramifications. And, folks, this put on by Johns Hopkins and uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, That's all I'm going to cover right now, but you folks need to keep an eye on this. Seriously. I mean, this is pretty sick stuff, considering... um, Event 201 took place in October of 2019 and then COVID kicked off a few months later at the very beginning of 2020. And now they run this catastrophic contagion. I mean, seriously, it's kind of freaky to be honest. Uh, Another thing I just want to show you uh, quickly here. So Maria Albanese had posted, um, there are many chapters to the PSYOP playbook. He is just another chapter. Now, I don't want to go totally crazy here with Elon Musk, but I have to point this out to you because we covered him so much on this show, all right? And now I see people just jumping on board. They love this guy. I mean, give me a break, folks. His Twitter profile image uh, uh, is the photo of him from Halloween where he was wearing the devil costume. All right, like Satan. All right, this guy is sending you a message. This is part of what we're going to talk about with Dan Golvach when he comes on in a couple of days. All right, and so this... Caroline Orbueno, PhD, I have no idea who this is. She writes, Elon Musk is now explicitly encouraging his 120 million followers to start following QAnon. Put differently, Elon Musk is encouraging his 120 million followers to join a domestic terrorism movement. Now, I'm not going to comment on that, but Elon tweets out, follow, and then it's a, um, a rabbit emoji, like the white rabbit. And that's where Maria responded to this. There are many chapters to PSYOP playbook. He, meaning Elon, is just another chapter. Well, I wrote there, because this is very important, I figure a lot of people uh, read what Maria writes. I said, there are actually people who believe this guy, meaning Elon, runs several multi-billion dollar companies, is slash was the richest man on earth i told you that's like musical chairs has autism sleeps around parties hangs with joe rogan appears on podcasts and has time to follow and tweet political nonsense all while answering to corporate boards the point of this being folks is all of a sudden and you've got to wake up your friends and family to this nonsense these people that watch fox news and then dabble on uh, Twitter here, and they're following Elon like he's uh, Donald Trump firing out these cryptic tweets like QAnon. And you really think that Elon Musk is sitting there tweeting this stuff, folks? Seriously, he supposedly runs several multi-billion dollar companies with boards. Uh, You know, there's boards. There's people on the boards, right? So he has to turn out money. Tesla's a publicly traded company. He's got SpaceX. He's got government contracts. All of this. You think this is real? That he's able to actually do all this? Give me a break. The guy is obviously an actor. He's obviously an actor because he can't be doing all that. It would be impossible. So wake people up to this. And they're literally... Literally, people believe that he's some kind of a hero. He went and he posted, Elon Musk in his account, a picture of him giving a peace sign uh, over a grave. And on the gravestone, it says bots, right? Like, he's burying the bots. And so I wrote here, ladies and gentlemen, are you folks actually buying this? If so, I'm sorry, but you're too far gone. This is a giant psyop. Elon Musk is not a hero, Tony Stark, or the leader of the resistance. And he's not fighting government. He's an extension of the state, transhumanist, and a technocrat. Simple. And, and, folks, it doesn't get any more simple than that. It does not get any more simple than that. Now, I don't know how many of you are fans of uh, Tim Pool. Of Tim Pool. But, folks, I, I just it's, it bothers me. So I, I have to put this up here. Okay. Tim Pool tweets... I used to think Neuralink was scary and dangerous, but then Elon Musk bought Twitter and agreed with me ideologically, so now I think Neuralink is great and want to have my brain plugged in to the machine, all right? So all these people start tweeting at him. And so then he writes, I love how people try to find deeper meaning in shit posts." right? So he's shit posting, supposedly. But then he says, Neuralink is awesome. I'm excited to see what it can do to save lives. Neurological diseases, nerve damage, etc. can be treated with it. We will see how it goes with one-on-one human-computer interfacing. But that's very far off. Elon Musk actually tweets under Tim Pool two fire emojis. And then Tim Poole responds, but in all seriousness, I do think Neuralink is great considering medical applications, but some scary ethical and philosophical conversations definitely need to be had. However, see, this is the issue, folks. I, I, I wrote. This I screen captured Tim Pool's tweets and I wrote, "When will you realize that all of your favorite trading card heroes are being funded by the technocratic transhumanists who are working with the state to engineer you into slavery until they can fully engineer you out of existence? Come on, folks! All right, and I and I had to do this even though I have a small account because it is important to understand." Uh, and and this is my opinion here Uh, Tim Pool is just representative of many of these folks but what they do and and if they're so big they have these huge followings supposedly on social media and their podcasts are really big they're tied into the Joe Rogan network uh, and they get help uh, with promotion from Joe Rogan and that whole network of folks which I believe honestly are all shills these guys help elevate technocracy and transhumanism as joe rogan does that's his job is to normalize it if you're going to take a stance against transhumanism there is no way no way that you can ever give the transhumanist an inch you can't do it as i said their extreme is to engineer humans out of existence i explained to you in depth transhuman means transitional human And it's moving to post-human. That's not my opinion. This is what the transhumanist movement says. Post-human is no more human. Humans are gone. Do you understand this? So the transhumanist stance is they want to move beyond humans to something else. Uh, Just... Robots, something else, something completely different than humans. Humans will be out of the equation. So if you sit there and you are going to even debate. The supposed good things that Neuralink could do when Neuralink stands for merging man with machine, putting artificial intelligence into humans' brains, which Elon Musk has talked about in depth. I'm not making this up. This is his product. Whether it's going to work or not, whether it's cover for what the government is doing, doesn't matter. I'm taking it at face value. The official narrative coming from the CEO, Elon Musk. If his job is to merge man with machine under this idea of singularity that came from Ray Kurzweil, chief engineer at Google many years ago, that Peter Thiel funded through the Singularity Institute going back to 2006, the idea is to merge man with machine, create uh, transhumans, they are transitional humans moving to post-humans, end of humanity. Their job is to engineer humanity out of existence. So Tim Poole, as smart as he is, as big as an audience as he is, he's even going to sit there and say, well, let's talk about the good things. Now, if you're going to fight against technocracy, you have to take the stand that is the most opposite, 180 degrees, complete opposite as far extreme as they are going to. So you would have to take the stance of no Neuralink, actually the stance of no technology. If they want to enslave you with technology, you can't then sit there and say, well, let's talk about technology. I think enslaving us is bad, but I don't know. I'll wear the Fitbit as long as you agree not to track my heart rate and beam it up to the cloud. See how it works? See how it works? So these guys, like Tim Pool, Calling him out, folks. Now, I'm not saying he works for these guys, but what I'm saying is he, whether wittingly or unwittingly, is driving people into the arms of the technocratic transhumanists. And it disgusts me because for some reason, people continue to fall for this. Nonsense ladies and gentlemen I'll be right back this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here at pain.tv/gold more listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV.
0: join the discussion at pain.tv/gold